Welcome to the Top 3 by E3, a monthly podcast about the intersection between engineering, energy, and project finance. My name is Ginger Elbaum, Managing Director at E3, and I'll be your host today. E3's Energy Storage Lead, Chris Wright, recently moderated two panels and attended the 2022 Energy Storage Summit. On today's podcast, we want to give a recap on some of the interesting outcomes from the conference. Uh, Welcome, Chris. Uh, Thanks, Ginger. Glad to be here today. So, Chris, you know, just tell us a little bit about the Energy Storage Summit um, held in Austin mid-March, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ginger, it was the event lasted two full days. Uh, As you mentioned, it was in Austin and there was surprisingly, I think, close to 400 or maybe even exceeded 400 attendees. A lot of breakout panels, breakout sessions and had a small exhibition hall with a lot of networking opportunities. And of course, E3 was a sponsor for the event. So I think this is the first time we've sponsored an energy storage event in our entire 23 year history. Yeah, it sure was. It sure was. So it's, that was an exciting milestone for us. And thank you for, for participating and moderating. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the panels. How, how were the panel discussions? Uh, they were really good. Um, at any point in time, they, they typically might have two going on at the same time, one in the large room and one in the small room. But you know, Jim Langle there from E3, and I was able to attend most of them. You know, again, a lot of great content and some really great participants and a lot of uh, really good frank discussions. As you mentioned, I was uh, fortunate enough to moderate two of them. I moderated the Renaissance and Merchant and the Energy Storage Developments in uh, Nevada panels. Good. Um, so, well, tell us, uh, why don't we talk about the panels? So tell us a little more about the merchant panel. You know, are contracted assets still the, the cream of the crop? Well, funny you say that, you know, the merchant panel, there was a lot of great discussion there. You know, all three panelists that were on, on the panel had experience in merchant energy storage project development and financing. And uh, along the lines of what you ask, uh, actually, Contracted assets still are probably the cream of the crop, but there were a lot of great perspectives provided by the panelists for the upsides of merchant energy storage projects. Um, A few thoughts from the panelists included the idea behind that an energy storage, a merchant operated energy storage asset has a lot of flexibility, especially if you're in a changing market. So, you know, you can do software configuration, you can change the energy capacity by augmentation, and you can do a lot of things to actually modify the assets optimization, modify the assets uh, interactions with the with the ISO or with the merchant market. And that gives you a lot of flexibility to, you know, to some extent, future proof uh, your revenue streams. And um, also, you know, a lot of times if you're a merchant market participant, um, if you're in the real time markets, a lot of times there's not really a lot of liquidated damages, you know, in, in contract, you know, contract assets always have liquidated damages for performance shortfalls and availability and things like that. But they really, if you're operating in real time merchant markets and, you know, you're not a, a contracted asset, a lot of times you can participate in the market or you can decide to pull your asset out if you need to. So um, there's also a, a lot less downside risk when it comes to liquidated damages and things like that. You know, so again, you know, the merchant play for energy storage is alive and well. We we t- heard a lot about that during the during the panel. Yeah, that's interesting. So, Chris, what was the what was the subject of the second panel then? Well, the second panel was focused on Nevada uh, energy storage development there, and it was really kind of talking about the influence that the PUCN, the Public Utility Commission in Nevada, they uh, released a ruling that had established its biennial energy storage procurement goals 
starting in by the end of 2020 and increasing to one gigawatt by 2030. Uh, this uh, rule was uh, adopted like March 12th of 2020, and I think it's order number 44671. And really, again, it's a, it's a target. It's not a, a mandate, but it's going to affect the IOUs in the state, although we would expect most most co-ops and, and munis municipals, when they can, try to follow some of the PUC rulings themselves. So we would really expect to see, you know, to really further incentivize energy storage development there in Nevada. Um, it'll def definitely will affect hybrid projects, meaning a solar plus storage project, and it may even affect existing solar projects that don't have storage. Uh, the ruling is technology agnostic, but you know most panelists were still leaning toward batteries will be the predominant technology used in Nevada. And we also talked a little bit about some of the challenges with project development in Nevada. A couple things, or one thing I didn't really realize is that a significant amount of land in Nevada is publicly owned. So this definitely provides challenges to gaining site control, you know, one of the, the four legs of development. And then also kind of can extend project timing if you're having to deal with certain governmental entities. Um, while hybrid projects are being developed there now, we would expect this ruling to, to definitely, hopefully provide more contracted uh, energy storage opportunities in Nevada. Uh, so Chris, you know, it sounds like it was a well-attended conference. Uh, you know, you want to talk a little bit about the networking and just kind of what was the buzz? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, networking was great opportunities. You know, the the event was in the in the hotel there, and most people that I saw stayed in the hotel. Uh, again, you know, on the the last day, I think the event organizers estimated there was about four hundred people in attendance, and the Nevada panel was actually the very last panel on the last day, and it was very well attended, and there was lots of questions from that panel. Judging by that event and judging by a couple more we've been to earlier this year, you know, I really get the feeling that everyone is looking forward to these in-person events. And I think we're going to see high levels of attendance going forward at a lot of these in-person events. Uh, one thing, though, a lot of buzz there was we heard a lot about supply chain issues and how they're affecting energy storage projects. Uh, solar, too, but, you know, really kind of just talking about energy storage today. You know, everything from cost increases, delivery delays, and even the unavailability of batteries, it was really hurting a lot of projects. You know, there were, there were discussions about lithium-ion battery pricing, you know, pricing increases ranging from 10% to 30%, you know, kind of unexpected being handed to project developers and even integrators that had existing contracts. So, uh, you know, the, the, the pricing world is very dynamic. Uh, so, but you know, with everything that happens, right, there's, there's opportunities. So, you know, these, these real issues are providing, you know, market opportunities for lithium-ion battery manufacturers that want to enter the space. You know, there's always a lithium-ion battery manufacturer that might not be in the stationary storage space, and maybe they're not in the EV space, and they want to enter this space. And so there's definitely opportunities there because you're starting to see a shortage of enough batteries to supply the market. You know, and then, you know, really seeing, again, you know, they're, this opportunity is providing for alternative battery storage technologies. Um, you know, alternative battery chemistries, you know, alternative storage technologies, whether it be mechanical in nature, there, there's really another opportunity here. You know, the lithium pricing is just, lithium pricing itself is just really detrimentally affecting developers and integrator margins. And I think a lot of people will be looking for an alternative if they can find it. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, so Chris, this is the top three by E3 uh, podcast. So, you know, what would you like for our listeners? Uh, what three takeaways would you like for our listeners to walk away with today? 
Excellent. Well, uh, two of them will come from the, the event. Definitely. Uh, I believe the merchant, merchant renaissance is here for energy storage and the flexibility of a merchant asset may be a strength versus a, a typical contracted asset, especially as market rules evolve. Uh, number two, the Nevada PUC ruling may incentivize the IOUs to sign off-take contracts with energy storage projects. If so, that'll definitely increase bankability and hopefully speed up deployment in Nevada. And third, you know, supply chains, like a lot of, lot, lot of industries now, supply chain issues are hurting the market, but it seems like everybody's working through it together. You know, lithium, really lithium price spikes are the big elephant in the room for most parties, and people are trying to understand how to work through that. But um, supply chain issues are, are, are hurting us, but at the same time, everyone seems to be working together to uh, resolve them. Right, yeah, so they're creating opportunities as well. Well, Chris, this has been great information. Uh, you know, thank you so much for attending the conference and you know representing E3 by moderating the panels um, and putting this podcast together. Uh, and to our listeners, you know, thanks for joining E3's discussion, recapping the 2022 Energy Storage Summit. If you have any questions for Chris regarding energy storage or um, any suggested topics for our podcasts, you know, please reach out to us at e3co at e3co.com. Chris, thanks again. And uh, thanks again uh, to our listeners for listening. Thanks, Ginger.